significant and profound days of wrath coming from God. One is in a physical context, which is referred to in Scripture as the great and terrible day of the Lord, and is a time when God will pour out His wrath on a sinful world because of their abominable sin and rebellion. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 10 through 22 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 2 through 3. The other is in a spiritual context when God's wrath will be expressed in a resurrection to judgment against those who have sinned in abominable ways while living in this physical life unrepentant. This day of wrath will focus on a spiritual destruction and a physical destruction of the wicked and ungodly as opposed to a physical destruction exclusively which the great and terrible day of the Lord will be focused on. Some self-proclaimed ministers deceptively, dishonestly, and inaccurately teach that a simple verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ frees us from this punishment. Others teach that this event will be in the context of a judgment and won't involve destruction or punishment, but will simply be a day when God informs men of their offenses and then informs them that Christ's sacrifice paid the penalty for those sins. But are these beliefs right and in line with Scripture? The truth of the matter is, the judgment is the day of wrath upon ungodly men because of their sin and abominable evil, something that's clearly outlined by the Word of God. Let's examine Scripture to determine what the day of judgment is and what it involves. Today's audio is entitled, Judgment Day, the Day of Wrath. This audio was recorded on February 3, 2018. This is actually a remake of a previous version I had done on January 28, 2018, but I had to redo it because I inserted Jesus Christ as the revelator or speaker in Luke chapter 3 verse 7, when in actuality it should have been John the Baptist being emphasized as the speaker. A slight error on my part as a result of rushing to get the audio done, but I will try to ensure that I don't make that mistake again. Now let's begin by going to Psalms chapter 28 verses 8 through 9. Again, that's Psalms chapter 28, verses 8 through 9. As it states here, Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. All right, let's go over that one more time. That's Psalms, verse 28. Excuse Psalms 28 chapter 21 uh, verses 8 through 9 excuse me again that's Psalms uh, chapter 21 verses 8 through 9 as it states here thine hand shall find out all thine enemies excuse me thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee emphasis on hate thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger the Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath and the fire shall devour them Uh, as you see here, uh, God is emphasizing here a, a time of destruction for the, the hater of God. And keep in mind the term hater of God is synonymous with the wicked and the ungodly. Actually, all those terms can be used interchangeably. Uh, the hater of God is of the wicked and ungodly. The wicked is a hater of God and ungodly. And the ungodly is a hater of God and wicked. So all those terms can be used interchangeably. So anytime the Bible is talking about a hater of God, it's automatically speaking about the wicked and ungodly as well. So God is emphasizing in these particular verses here that a day is coming when he's going to, uh, his hand is going to find out those that hate, hate him. And that's going to be in the judgment, essentially. 
when God examines the behavior of all these individuals, their words, their thoughts, their actions, and that's how he'll discover it. Well, he already knows, but, you know, he'll make it plain to others. You know, that's, that's a, uh, you know, a, a reason for the judgment as well, to reveal the evil that these individuals engaged in to others as well, uh, to make it open and plain. Uh, so, uh, you know, so that's how he's finding out that they're haters of God, again, by uh, revealing their behavior in terms of their thoughts, their actions, uh, you know, their feelings towards God. And you'll find that a number of these individuals who fit that, uh, you know, fall into that category uh, are members of the homosexual, bisexual, lesbian, transgender uh, community, organizations and groups, and how these particular uh, groups defy God, openly defy God by promoting perver this perverse behavior, teaching it in schools to children, uh, denying the existence of God. You know, all this behavior is consistent with those that hate God. So this, these, you know, these particular verses are focused on these types of individuals and many others as well. You know, there are other individuals who fall into that category as well. Individuals who are heartless, uncaring, um, you know, who are uh, in many respects think they are gods. Um, you know, idol worshippers and the things that these types of individuals will do to get the, you know, to, to get satisfy the idols or to get the idol, uh, you know, which could be defined, be defined as money and material things in many respects. So, you know, the depths of evil that these individuals will go to get those things, you know, they'll do anything essentially to get it, to get money and things of that nature. That's what God refers to as idol worship. And he emphasizes in Revelation uh, 21, 7 through 8, that uh, those types of individuals will have, will have their place in the lake of fire as well because what you have to understand is how the type of evil that this behavior cultivates and the type of pain and suffering that it brings upon others uh, not only physical emotional psychological pain and suffering but spiritual destruction as well and you know spiritual suffering and, and when those individuals are cast into the lake of fire so you know that's why god views it as so offensive anytime god views these types of behaviors as really offensive and abominable it's only because primarily because of the pain and suffering it brings upon others and that's how God views it you know uh, when you when, when you're doing something that's going to bring an immense amount of pain and suffering on other human beings God views it as abominable behavior and that behavior is going to exact a more serious punishment make no mistake about that now let's continue to Psalms 37 verses 30 through 34 Again, the Psalms 37, verses 30 through 34. As it states here, The mouth of the righteous speaketh, with, speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. Now, you, you know, now I've heard people, you know, argue, uh, uh, some false and learned ministers argue about judgment and saying that uh, we shouldn't judge. But the Bible here is telling us that the righteous, uh, their, their mouth speaketh wisdom, so a righteous man is a wise man, and his tongue is always talking about judgment. Talking about the judgments of God, the punishments of God, you know, judging wrongdoing. This is what a righteous man does, according to God's word. So we see here uh, that, you know, the, the argument in relation to one's to shouldn't judge is not supported by God's word in these particular verses. And is neither, uh, there are other verses in scripture like in John chapter uh, 7 verse 24, if I'm not mistaken, where Christ emphasizes uh, to judge not according to the appearance a judge righteous judgment and so many other verses in scripture uh, that support judging that God is emphasizing to judge and the purpose of judging is to uh, uh, expose evil for what it is 
so it's, it, it doesn't uh, result in the spiritual destructions, physical and spiritual destruction of uh, clueless conforming followers. You know, be people that are so easily caught up in, and and influenced by wrongdoing, and eventually begin to practice it themselves. But let's continue. It states here, and um, it goes on to say, the the law of his God, God is in his heart. So the commandments of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. So in this particular verse, uh, Scripture is informing us that when the wicked are destroyed, that, that term in this particular verse, cut off, the term cut off means to be destroyed. So uh, Scripture is informing us in this particular verse that when the wicked are destroyed, the righteous are going to see it. Okay? That the righteous are going to witness that destruction. Now, that is just what that is, you know, so, so that is just, you know, obviously informing us that there's a day of destruction coming for the wicked, coming upon the wicked. It's making it plain. And as we uh, proceed here, uh, you'll see that the, that is the prevailing theme throughout Scripture, the destruction of the ungodly, the wicked, and the hater of God. God has appointed a day for that. And uh, when he's going to do away with them completely, they, you know, they'll essentially be non-existent. They'll never be, ever be a part of God's plan, God's wonderful plan for humanity. They're just going to be completely destroyed and eliminated. And rightfully so, to be honest with you, when you understand the type of evil that these individuals are promoting and how destructive these, uh, the evil that they're promoting is and how it neg negatively impacts societies, families, individuals, uh, you know, just very evil behavior uh, that they continue to promote because of their own selfish motives, you know, whether that motive is lust, greed, or whatever. Uh, but they're going to answer for it, and it's going to result in destruction, which is clearly outlined by God's Word, and that will become clear to you as we proceed, uh, that you, you'll see that it's a prevailing theme throughout the Word of God, and that there is no way to get around it, uh, no way to get around the destruction of the ungodly and the wicked that God has appointed the day for. Now let's continue. Let's go to Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. Again, that's Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. As it states here, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. All right, let's go over that one more time. Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now, there's emphasizing here that, uh, uh, again, another, God is emphasizing the destruction of the wicked is coming, you know, uh, as, as is, you know, confirmed in the previous verses as well. Now, this is coming from the mouth of God. These particular verses are coming from the mouth of God, but you'll see as we progress uh, through uh, scripture, studying scripture here, that is coming from the mouth of God, from the mouth of Jesus Christ, from the mouth of the Apostle Paul, you know, from prophets, uh, you know, you know, uh, when you study the Old Testament, you see that, you know, many prophets speak of it as well, a destruction of the ungodly and the wicked. And there's a difference between the ungodly, the wicked, and the unrighteous man. There's a difference. The Bible makes that distinction in Isaiah 55, 7. This destruction is purpose 
for the wicked and ungodly, not the unrighteous man. The unrighteous man is a whole different class a category of individual, just like the, right, the righteous man is a different category of individual from the unrighteous man. You know, it's, it's almost like an, a dissension or, or an ascension, if you, you, you know, how you uh, choose to look at it. From wicked to unrighteous, from unrighteous to righteous. There's a difference. There are three, group, three groups of individuals and three resurrections. And I'll be covering that here momentarily as well. Now let's continue to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, verses 13 through 14. Again, it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. As it states here, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Alright? Now Christ is just emphasizing here that straight is the gate, enter into the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad big expansive carry you know it it, it, it can uh, accommodate many individuals the broad gate you know but that's that broad gate is the way that leads to destruction so what christ is emphasizing here is that many are going to be destroyed that is what's being emphasized but he says that many and he says and many go in go there be many be there i should say which go in thereat into the broad gate, the gate that leads to destruction. But he goes on to say, because straight is the gate and narrow or or slender, which lead which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, what is he emphasizing here? He's talking about true Christianity here. You know, some many follow a false Christianity, and that is uh, that traditional Christianity which most people follow, which teaches the false soul-destroying doctrine of salvation by grace through faith only as a result of unlearned ministers grossly misinterpreting the word of God. So that, that, that's what normally happens. And that's how you get this, uh, you know, this, this the, the, the deception is cultivated. And Satan, you know, obviously being behind, uh, you know, the, 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 the cultivation and the, um, the spread of that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, deception through gross biblical misinterpretation now but let's go now let's go back to malachi again uh, for just one second here again that's malachi chapter 4 verse 1 as it states for behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud now why is it speaking about the proud because i've covered in previous audios pride produces wickedness you know it produces wickedness it corrupts you know it makes you it may really makes you stupid it blinds you now you know these individuals may know how to you know uh balance their bank accounts and maybe you know not good under good earners in terms of you know how to make money and things of that nature you know and that that has a level of importance but when you're talking about spiritual matters these individuals in most cases are absolutely in most cases are really blind and ignorant they, they don't even have they don't have a knowledge and understanding about the really important spiritual matters which are, are going to impact them spiritually and result in and you know whether uh they, they live or die you know pretty much when it's all said and done they have no basic understanding of those really important spiritual matters but in terms of uh, you know knowledge about how to you know balance their bank accounts and earn money and things of that nature you know they're they're, they're you know in, in certain instances they can be pretty good at that uh, but you know you have to be mindful of how you earn money as well because earning money the wrong way can result in spiritual destruction as well so you got to be mindful of how you earn your money but as you see here 
He's emphasizing all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly. He's speaking of pride in the context of being wicked. Shall be stubble, and that day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And so you see here how these particular verses support one another, how the Bible is supporting uh, itself, validating itself, interpreting itself, confirming itself. You know, Psalms 21, 8 and 9, when God says that his right hand shall find out those that hate, hate him, he shall make them as a fiery oven in the time of his anger. The fire shall devour them. It's consistent here with Malachi 4, 1, where God says, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And again, you know, what individuals fall into that category of being proud and wicked? You can say that that, that that definitely can be applied to the homosexual and lesbian community as well. They're really proud and arrogant individuals. Uh, you know, they promote these perversions proudly, thumbing their nose in God's faces. God's face, I should say. Um, uh, you can actually say faces too because God is really a family comprised right now of Christ and God. So, But uh, the point being, these individuals are proud. They thumb their nose in God's face. Um, you know openly promoting this very corrupting and destructive filthy sexual behavior you know you know uh, drawing others into the filthy corrupting lifestyle these are the types of individuals that this particular these particular verses are talking about make no mistake about it and these are the types of individuals that are going to face god's full wrath when they stand before him and uh, god emphasizing emphasizes also in deuteronomy 710 that uh you know he is not going to show them any mercy he won't be slack to those that hate him he gonna, he's going to repay them to their faces and he won't be slack uh, to those that hate him in other words slack means he won't show them any mercy so God is going to deal with these individuals harshly and without mercy because of how abominably they lived uh, in defiance of God promoting these destructive corrupting uh, you know uh, behaviors on a, that destroys physically and spiritually and you see that with the spread of deadly disease but yet these individuals continue to promote it as beneficial and wholesome when it's absolutely filthy and, and ungodly. So this is one of the main reasons also why God's wrath is coming upon this nation, the promotion and legalization of these filthy, ungodly perversions. Uh, you Not to mention the promotion of witchcraft and sorcery, mass murder in our urban neighborhoods and communities uh, in the form of abortion as well, uh, you know, to, uh, corruption and, and, and ungodliness and treachery and wickedness at the highest levels, dishonesty. Uh, dishonesty you know these individuals trampling all over God's commandments uh, you know all of these things are the reason God's wrath is coming upon this nation but primarily because of the abominable sins which uh, which homosexuality uh, mass murder witchcraft those fall into that category but all these things are contributing uh, to the the uh, the wrath of God being coming upon this nation and other nations who follow those same same practices but let's continue let's uh, Go on to um, Luke chapter 3, verse 7. Again, that's Luke chapter 3, verse 7. And that this is John. I'm, I'm mistakenly in the previous audio said that, you know, Christ uh, was speaking in this context. But again, this is John the Baptist uh, speaking here. Uh, you know, just a slight error on my part. And I'll try to ensure that I don't make that uh, mistake uh, ever again. I just don't like the mistakes. Make any mistakes as it relates to God's word. That's why I try to choose my words carefully and um, 
I speak slowly, you know, when I'm talking about God's word, because I don't like to make any mistakes. But again, it was just a slight error in terms of who was making the statement. Uh, but it doesn't change the context of the whole uh, audio or the picture that I'm trying to paint here. Uh, and now let's continue. Again, it's Luke chapter 3, verse 7, as it states, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. That's, this is John the Baptist talking. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So we see John the Baptist here asking uh, the multitude, you know, who warned them to flee from the wrath of come. Now we know that John the Baptist, John here is speaking in a spiritual context because the baptism is a spiritual ceremony which involves the washing away of sin, a spiritual washing, a spiritual washing away of sin. And also uh, it symbolizes, it symbolizes the washing away of spiritual sin, sin I should say, and it also symbolizes bearing of the, the old sinful nature or of the, the old sinful man uh, and uh, John is basically saying that uh, you know basically what he's saying is that what you, you have to understand is that the it's just part that baptism is part of the conversion process which also involves repenting first then being baptized and then being then being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and the reason God requires that we go about it that way is because uh, he's not going to put his spirit in an unclean vessel. That individual has to clean himself up and spiritually uh, before God will impart his spirit to him in terms of in terms of filling him with the Holy Spirit. Now, the spirit is dwelling with this individual through that whole conversion process, preparing him for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that's further emphasized in John chapter um, chapter. Uh, uh, 14 uh, verses 15 through 17 if I'm not mistaken where Christ says um, if you love me keep my commandments and I will uh, you know I will go to the Father and I will send you the comforter uh, or the spirit of truth which is, which, is, which is even the comforter what Christ was just emphasizing in those particular verses is that once he's uh, he he was uh, crucified and then he resurrected then he would send them the Holy Spirit and um, and he emphasizes in, in verse that those particular verses dwell with them and shall be in them so he's emphasizing in those verses that he says that, that the spirit that now dwelleth with you and shall be in you so the spirit dwells with you first and it's, it's, it's teaching you and, and preparation and getting you prepared for the, the uh, indwelling of the Holy uh, Spirit and that, that's further emphasized in Matthew when Christ uh, says in Matthew that a man doesn't put new wine in old bottles lest the bottles break and the wine perish but a man puts new wine in new bottles and both are preserved and Christ is just simply speaking from a spiritual perspective he's saying that he's not going to put his spirit in an unclean vessel or God is not going to put his spirit in an unclean vessel. He requires that you clean that spirit, that body up spiritually first in terms of changing your behavior to fall in line with what God deems uh, as proper moral behavior. And then once you've done that, he imparts the Holy Spirit to you. He, you you're baptized first, and then you, he imparts the Holy Spirit to you. But you have to clean that vessel up first. And the reason that that's a requirement is so crucial that you go about it that way because if he were to give you the Holy Spirit unrepentant, 
you're not versed you you, you don't you haven't established yourself in, in a way in terms of living righteously you're certainly more susceptible to going back into sin when you get into a pattern of living righteously you know that's what you'll be doing and then you baptize and then you're filled with the Holy Spirit you've already established a pattern of righteous behavior over the years and it may, it may take years for that to happen you know it doesn't happen overnight uh, you know the, the, the preparation in terms of falling in line with what God's word dictates as proper moral behavior may take a year two years you know maybe more depending on the individual and then that individual is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit so God requires it that way because if not that individual will not be uh, versed and 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 uh, accustomed to living righteously, and he's much more susceptible, to, you know, to going back to living, uh, you know, a sinful way of life. And if God was were, were to impart His Holy Spirit in a in a uh, situation like that, that individual would have the Holy Spirit, but go back to sinning in abominable ways or sinning just in. in you know, in basic, uh, basic form, uh, against God, you know, with the Holy Spirit, and that unfortunately results in spiritual death for the person. That's further emphasized in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31, and also Hebrews chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Now let's continue uh, to John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. Again, that's John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. As it states here, for God so loved the world that he gave us a now. Let me just emphasize before starting here that this is a verse that many of these false self-proclaimed ministers teach to justify and promote the false soul-destroying doctrine of salvation by great through, grace through faith only. And uh, it is a soul-destroying doctrine. And uh, it's based on gross biblical misinterpretation. Uh, that's how it's formed. They've basically taken this verse completely out of context and foolishly uh, created and formed a whole doctrine around this one verse while completely dis disregarding the other 99.99% of the Bible uh, which uh, emphasizes that we have to change our behavior to fall in line with scripture uh, to be deemed righteous in God's eyes uh, but let's, let's uh, uh, start again again it's John chapter 3 verse 16 through 20 as it states here for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, you know, those are the two verses primarily that they use to promote that false uh, doctrine of salvation by grace through faith only, and a few other verses in Scripture. Um, but, uh, you know, as you study Scripture, you'll see it's not consistent, excuse me, with the totality of Scripture. And that's the only way you should form a doctrine or belief system by the totality of scripture as the bible confirms justifies supports and interprets itself from genesis to revelation as you see the same uh, uh, point being emphasized in different books throughout the bible that's how you establish a doctrine or belief system you don't take one verse out of one book or even two books you know that you've completely taken out of context and form a doctrine around that one verse that you've taken out of context that results in gross deception and that in turn uh, that biblical gross biblical misinterpretation results in gross deception and that in turn results in condemnation and destruction 
That's the danger in it. Now, again, these are the two verses that they use to form that false doctrine and suggest that all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and, you know, you're, you're saved. But, uh, you know, if that were the only litmus test and the only uh, requirement, then even the demons would be considered righteous beings and saved in God's eyes. Because the Bible tells us uh, that, you know, demons, the demons believe also and they tremble and they tremble because they know who God really is but it says the demons believe and tremble you know it's, it's, uh, demons and, and Satan and his demons don't just know God uh, believe God exists they know God exists so in that context they would co be considered even more profoundly righteous than men you know if that were the case but we know that that's not the case and that is just based on gross biblical misinterpretation taking a verse a couple of verses in scripture completely out of context and I actually go into more detail about that on the site www.thetruthplain and that's A-N not A-N-D and simple.info and if you go to Q&A uh, you'll find that I cover address that particular issue in more detail uh, but Again, these are the two verses primarily that they use to form that false teaching. But let's go, but they'll conveniently overlook verses 18 through 20. But let's read 18 through 20. As he states here, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But, and then keep in mind and understand that the term believe means to obey. And I go into more detail about that on, on my site, www.thetruthplainandsimple.info. And you can go to the Q&A section where I cover that in more detail but uh, again let's go to 18 through 20 and get a better understanding of what Christ is talking about here but he goes on to say he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not or obeys not is how they, that should be read he that obeys not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God or obeyed the only begotten son of God and he goes on to say and this is the condemnation. In other words, this is the reason why men and women will be condemned. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. All right, now let's go over that one more time. Again, that's John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. As it states here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But Christ himself now goes on to say, He that believeth on him is not condemned, or, or in other words, he that obeys Christ is not condemned. He goes on to say, But he that obeys not is condemned already, because he hath not obeyed the only begotten son of God that's how they can be interpreted in the red when you understand the context in which Christ meant it but he goes on to say and this is the condemnation this is why men and women will be condemned the light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved alright let's continue to John 336 John 336 as it states here, he that believeth on the Son of Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In other words, um, 
Christ is emphasizing here that if you don't believe you know if you don't obey which is the proper context uh, and how that should be interpreted uh, the wrath of God abideth on you the, in other words the wrath of God is coming upon you when you face God in the judgment that is the context in which this you know in which uh, he means it in this verse let's go over that one more time he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life all right Christ is emphasizing if you don't obey the son you shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him the wrath of God is coming upon him now this is coming from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself now we've already established that it, it's coming from, it, all, it came from God and we know that Christ is always in uh, in agreement with the father they walk in a complete agreement and harmony and when you understand scripture that becomes plain and obvious as the nose on your face but again when these false unlearned individuals grossly misinterpret the Bible this is where all the confusion comes from because they don't know and understand God's Word and uh, you know not having the basic understanding that you have to live it to be able to interpret it and understand it because God is not gonna give the spirit to someone who's not disobeying them who's who's disobeying them I should say so if you're disobeying God you won't have God's spirit dwelling with you and then you won't certainly won't have it dwelling in uh, inside of you and that's a crucial component to properly understanding God's word obedience being led by the Holy Spirit and or and or being filled by the Holy Spirit those are the two uh, critical components to properly understanding God's word and also allowing the Bible to interpret itself never applying your own personal interpretation to the Bible you have to allow the Bible to interpret itself when you apply your own personal interpretation to the Bible you will screw it up every time that's a guarantee all right, and let's go over that one more time. That's John chapter 3, verse 6. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, wrath of God, I should say, abideth on him, or the wrath of God is coming upon him. All right, now let's go to Romans chapter 1, verses 18, 18 through 20. Again, that's Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. As this states here, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness in other words these are if you if you're you know you've been made aware of these things you've been enlightened by all this truth outlining God's word and you continue in sin there's going to be a problem and um, it's also uh, can be in interpreted as individuals who resist the truth okay both of those particular uh, points are covered if you have knowledge of God's word as it relates to these abominable sinful behaviors but yet you continue to do them you're gonna have some serious problems and also if you are suppressing the truth fighting against the truth and both of those uh, particular points are covered here and it goes on to say because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All right. So God is emphasizing here 
that we are without excuse, every one of us. We, we don't have an excuse because God says he's revealed himself in his creation. You know, basically what God is saying, how do you think these things got here? The moon, the, the sun, the galaxies, stars, humans, animals, insects, microbes, water, fire, and so on and so forth. You know, God is saying, how do you think these things got here? You know how these things got here. So you're without excuse. And that's not the only thing that we uh, point that we use or for uh, determining factor or factor that we use to determine, uh, you know, the, the, the existence of God and the, and the authenticity of God's word. You know, there are a number of things that we use. We, we, we rely on rely on God's creation. That's proof positive that God is real. You know, how do you think you got here? And if you believe you got here by a big bang, a big explosion, I, I, I really don't know what to that you know, what to say for you or how to uh, you know what to do in that case you know if you if you're ignorant enough to, to, to believe that uh, you know you're probably one of those individuals that believe that uh, WWDE wrestling is real you know and that type of individual is a sucker you know to be honest with you uh, a prime candidate for, for deception somebody that believes that WWE wrestling is real in terms of being authentic, I should say. Now, the body slamming and all that, that's real, of course. But it's, entertain it's entertainment. Uh, so you may fall into that category if you believe that a Big Bang created all these complex life forms. It's ridiculous. And uh, we also look at the, the artifacts, artifacts, the, uh, uncovered artifacts, archaeological finds, which corroborate biblical stories. That's another thing. Uh, that we look at to determine the authenticity of God's word and God's existence. There are numerous archaeological finds corroborating biblical stories which prove that biblical uh, characters lived and support biblical stories. We also go by fulfilled prophecy. You know, God basically predicting events would take place before those events actually happen, which are several events in Scripture. Which which do which uh, have been uh, predicted and that have came to fruition, and then and also personal miracles. God uh, revealing Himself in the lives of His servants, you know, through miracles and other you know situations, you know. So these are the things that we 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 use to determine the authenticity of God's word, the veracity of it, the existence of God. This is what we use. I would only, to be honest with you, I would only need one of those things. We have all those, all these things. That's more than enough proof. Now let's continue. To Acts 17, verses 29 through 31. Again, that's Acts 17, verses 29 through 31. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven art, or graven by art and man's device and the times of this ignorance God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained where, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead so we're informed here that uh, at one point God winked at that uh, that, that you know that uh, that sin 
and that rebellion because he, he understood that most of these individuals did it out of ignorance. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And I've heard some of the churches say, well, you know, that, uh, you know, he's not, you know, ask, asking all men to repent right now. Now, you know, there's actually two uh, levels of, of repentance, actually. Uh, you know, this repentance in terms of departing from sinful, evil behavior. And there's a level of uh, repentance that's required to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, those are two different levels, really, of repentance. Now, the, the repentance that God is speaking about in this context is, is, is walking in accordance with the, uh, a basic form of morality, separating yourself from these abominable practices, you know, walking in accordance with a basic form of morality in terms of keeping the commandments of God, rejecting all forms of abominable sin. You know, that would be considered a basic form of morality. All right, now... When you, when you talk about being born into the kingdom of God, that requires repenting in terms of following God's commandments, rejecting all, form, any, all forms of evil and, and sin, period. Overcoming the world and Satan and the flesh. That individual has to, has to develop a level of righteousness that will result in him being born into the kingdom. Now, this type of repentance here that God is emphasizing in verse 30 is in the context of ensuring that you're not condemned when you're judged. That's the level of repentance that God is speaking about here. Conducting yourself in a way in terms of your, that behavior falling in line with God's commandments and his word to ensure that when you're judged, you won't be condemned. And that's consistent with Matthew, uh, I think it's 1917, where the man came to Christ and asked him, what good things should I do to enter into the kingdom or be saved? And Christ said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. But if you shall enter into the kingdom or be saved, keep the commandments. Well, he said, if you shall enter into life, keep the commandments. If you want to enter into life, in other words, if you want to live when you're judged, keep the commandments because you're going to be judged by those commandments. If you found... If you've been found to, to, to just completely disregard those commandments, trample all over them, have no respect for them, that's considered wickedness in God's eyes. So that level of repentance in terms of just saving your physical life, and your, I should say your physical and your spiritual life, when you face God in the judgment is in, the, in accordance with uh, walking in line with a basic form of Bible-based morality, living your life in, in accordance with a basic form of Bible-based morality, which involves keeping the commandments and, you know, and uh, the, the Bible as a whole and rejecting all forms of abominable evil and sin. Now, that individual who is uh, seeking to be born into the kingdom, that individual has to, in addition to that, that individual has to bear fruit, he has to overcome the flesh, overcome Satan in the world, you know, he has to be constantly bearing fruit in the midst of persecution. He has to be getting better, not worse when he's being persecuted. You know, so it's, it's a different level of repentance. A level of repentance that's required to be born into the kingdom of God is higher than the level of repentance required to be spared when you judge. There's a difference. Now let's continue. <coughs> let's continue to Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. 
Romans chapter 2 verses 4 through 12 as it states here or despises though the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God render to every man according to his deeds once again and it goes on to say to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory honor and immortality eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile but glory honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile for there is no respect of persons with God for as many that have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law now this is what we were talking about behavior here the prevailing thing and on how to avoid being condemned when you judge is in relation to behavior not just a simple verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ the Bible said that God is going to render to every man in accordance with his deeds and a verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ is not going to change that at all. You see that that is the prevailing theme throughout Scripture. And as you as we proceed, that will become even more clear to you. That a repentance, a change in one's behavior. From doing good from doing evil behavior or wrong behavior to doing good behavior. This is how you you spare it. And that's further confirmed in in John chapter 5 verses 28 through 29 where it states marvel not at this all them that are in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth them that have done good to the resurrection of life them that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation Now I've heard some ministers say that damnation means um, a judgment I'm not sure how they came to that conclusion but when you study scripture you see that damnation means what means simply means destruction and that is what God is emphasizing in his word if you do evil you're going to be punished for that evil and that evil results in being destroyed promoting perverse sexual behavior and defiance of God to you know talking about gay pride you don't have a clue as to what is about to come upon you gay pride being proud of something so filthy teaching others to be proud of the filthy behavior and you promoting the filth this is the these are the types of individuals are going to face the full unbridled wrath of God which is clearly outlined by the word of God don't believe me believe the word of God it's made clear now let's go over that one more time <clears throat> go over that one more time it's Romans chapter 2 verses 4 through 12 as it states here or despises though the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God will render to every man according to his deeds according to what? according to what? according to his deeds his actions his behavior to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory honor and immortality eternal life that's, but that's, now this is emphasizing a change in behavior here from doing wrong to doing right from doing, doing evil to doing good 
This is how you save from the wrath to come. It goes on to say, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but unrighteousness, or in other words, the rebellious, the defiant. He says, upon those individuals, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, upon every soul of man, every man, he said, every soul of man. He's talking about every man. All right, now it's, now it's coming from the mouth of Paul. First, we've already seen God confirm it, the destruction of the wicked. We've heard Christ confirm the destruction of the wicked by their own words. Now Paul is emphasizing the same thing. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without. In other words, if you say that you didn't have the law, you're going to be destroyed because anyway, uh, because God is going to use your conscience to judge you. And that's further emphasized in, in, uh, uh, in Romans, um, you know, in, in, in preceding verses or, or in verses uh, that are um, that will be coming up. I'm not uh, actually reading those verses, though. I'm just, I actually cut it off in, in verse 12 here. Uh, but th that is further emphasized in, 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 in upcoming verses, not preceding. That was the wrong term to use. Sorry about that. Uh, but uh, in upcoming verses, uh, in, from 12 to 16, he emphasizes that the conscience bearing witness, also the thoughts, you know, excuse, accusing or excusing the individual. All right, so that your your actions, your thoughts are going to determine whether you knew whether it was wrong or not. You know, you just can't say, "Well, son, I didn't know." God knows your thoughts. He's going to reveal what you was thinking because He knows your thoughts. He actually records your thoughts. To be honest with you, actually, uh, uh, you know, cover that in a, in a previous audio. Yeah, God, God records your thoughts as well, not your actions, your thoughts, everything. See, because the thought is spiritually generated. You know, it actually uh, it's the spirit working in conjunction with the mind to create the thought. And when it's spiritually generated, because God is the supreme, supreme spirit being, he actually hears that thought. So when you think a thought, like you may say, look at this guy, but you, you're sending on the, mentally. You may say, look, look, look at this guy. You know, look at how this guy dressed or something. God can actually hear it, just like I'm talking to you. And he records it. He's that in tune with the spirit. But it goes on to say, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. But it goes on to say, you know, after that, for not the hearers of the law are, are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And it goes into more detail about, uh, again, uh, that individuals being judged by their conscience uh, all the way until you get to verse 16. But I, I won't, be, won't be covering those verses. I should have actually included it. Uh, uh, I'm not sure why I, I didn't, though. But uh, let's move on to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 as it states here and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins and we know this is we're talking about a spiritual spiritually dead because uh, when you get when you're engaging in sin that's what it results in spiritual death now we know we're living in physical bodies but we're living in sin so we know it could, it's not necessarily speaking from a, a physical perspective or context this particular verse is talking about a spiritual death because of what living in sin produces when you judge by God it will result in spiritual destruction all right so that's what it means uh, but it says um, again it says you 
and you hath equipped who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were by nature the children of what? The children of what? The children of wrath? The children of wrath. But whose wrath is it talking about? It's talking about God's wrath, God's anger. And why? Because we, because at one point we had, we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And because of that, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All right. So it's speaking about a day of wrath, a day of punishment coming. And that we, we would have been subject to that wrath as well if we as saints or we as, uh, you know, believers, followers of Christ hadn't departed from that sinful nature and that, sin, that sinful behavior. This is what is being emphasized. As we proceed, you'll see that uh, becomes even more clear. And let's continue to Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. As it states here. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall, shall appear, I should say, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. So this is what we're required to do. Now, this is about, again, once again, we're required to uh, produce a change in behavior. All right, let's go over that again. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, which is, you know, sexual perversions and things of that nature, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, you know. In other words, separate ourselves from all these things. Now, not just that, but, you know, to change our behavior to fall in line with all of God's commandments and all of his word. That is the requirement. All right. It says, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. All right. Now, why is God's wrath coming upon the children? Because of their disobedience. Again, wrath being emphasized here. And whose wrath is made clear here in this particular verse? God's wrath. All right? The wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. All right? There's a day of wrath coming. Punishment upon the ungodly and the wicked. This is the group God is going to be focused on in terms of destruction in the third resurrection. As I've covered in previous audios, there are three resurrections. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous. And that resurrection is emphasized in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17, 18, I think, uh, where it emphasizes them, them being uh, changed in a twinkling of an eye and caught up in the clouds to be with God forever, God and Christ forever, dwelling with God. Essentially what that means is we're going to be changed into spirit beings 
We're going to be sons of God, thereby becoming gods ourselves. I've covered that in previous audios. Like I said, I'll be doing another audio explaining that in more detail. I just haven't put that audio out because uh, I'm not sure if people will be able to absorb it and grasp it. They, they're not spiritually mature enough to understand these things. But I'll try to make it as plain as the nose on your face so and leave you no doubt. And I'll use, use God's word to, to do that, to prove to you that we as servants of God about to be born, spirit-born sons of God and, by, and thereby becoming gods ourselves. That is fully supported by God's word. Now, I've heard, you know, some ministers of you that use the verse where God says that there's only one God. But when you understand, you, you know, the Bible and that God is a family, that is true. You know, there's only one God. You know, but as it presently stands, God is two beings. It's comprised of two beings right now, Jesus Christ and God. But yet he's still God. You know, so you, but you have to be spiritually mature to grasp these things. Now, they're right in that context, but the Bible does speak about God glorifying the saints as well. I've heard other ministers say, well, God says that he's not going to share his glory. He's not going to share his glory in the, in, the, in the context or the sense that he's always going to be the supreme God. With lesser gods under him. Christ is God as well, but a lesser God under God. God is the supreme God. He's not going to share his glory in that context. But he does emphasize in Romans um, chapter 8 that he's going to glorify the saints we're going to be glorified as well uh, that's plainly emphasizes emphasized but when you understand scripture uh you know it becomes clear but I'll, i should be doing an audio soon going into more detail of that about that and making it as plain as the nose on your face you know but god we're essentially going to be sitting down with god and talking to god just like you would talk to to your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, family member, friend. We're going to be speaking with God face to face. Right? That's what the Bible says. We shall see him as he is we sh because we shall be like him. You know, no man can sit down and, and talk God to God face to face. He died. You can't, no man can see God and live. That's how powerful he is. To, to look upon God in his present state, his glorious state, you, you die instantly. Because God is that awesome. So we understand that those these individuals will have to be transformed into spiritual beings, divine beings, God beings, to be uh, fellowshipping with God on that spiritual level, speaking with Him face to face, and that's what the uh, that's is what this is going to end up being. These individuals, us being transformed into spirit beings with God forever, speaking with God, you know, be able to ask God about what well, why do you why did you ask, God why did you allow this to happen? Sit down, son. Let me explain. That's how it's going to be. Oh, God, what, what about this here? Okay, have a seat. Let me, let me explain that to you. Face to face, talking to him, just like he's your father. He, he will be our father, our spiritual father. That's, that's, this is how it's going to be. Now, let's continue to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. As it states here, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? The righteous are being those that are called the elect. Those are being judged right now. Yeah, these individuals are called to be rulers in, in, uh, in the coming kingdom of Christ that he will establish here on earth. 
They're being called to be kings and priests, rulers, and rulership with Christ. It's a different and higher calling than just your basic repentance that is still a requirement for, the, for every man. Every man is required to repent and, and, and to, in other words, to fall in line, change their behavior to fall in line with basic Bible morality, which is keeping the commandments and the Bible as a whole, you know, rejecting all abominable evil and sin. That's a different level of repentance. The repentance of those, the elect, those predestined individuals, they're called to rule with Christ. It's a higher calling. Let's go over that one more time. First Peter chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. As it states here, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. If it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? All right, what's going to be the end of those that, dis that disobey? If it begin with, with the, with the uh, righteous. And it goes on to say, if the righteous scarcely be saved. And the righteous are barely going to be saved themselves. themselves. Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? If the righteous are barely going to be saved, what the heck is going to happen to the ungodly and the sinner? It's actually asking a question. You know, asking a question there, not necessarily saying that the sinner, which is the unrighteous man, is going to be destroyed. Because that, the sinner, for the most part, now understand, I've covered this in previous audios, that the sinner, uh, the unrighteous man is often referred to as the sinner in Scripture. But anytime you hear ungodly, wicked, and the haters of God, those all are, can be used interchangeably. Now, those are the same individual. But the sinner or the unrighteous man is often referred to as the sinner in Scripture. And as you see, it separates it in this particular case here. It says, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear clearly emphasizing that those are two types of individuals and it makes that distinction further in Isaiah chapter 55 7 where it states let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and return unto the Lord for he shall abundantly pardon it's making a clear distinction there between the wicked and the unrighteous alright now this particular uh, destruction that's being emphasized uh, throughout this audio as you see clearly is in relation to the wicked the ungodly and the hater of God and proud homosexuals bisexuals lesbians and many others not just them fall into that category make no mistake about that now let's continue to 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 9 through 10 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 9 through 10 as it states here for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. Now ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Delivered, delivered us from what? From the wrath to come. Whose wrath is that again? We've all, that's already been explained in previous audios. God's wrath. Why? Because of the sinful nature. And more importantly, the abominably sinful nature. That's the problem. This abominably sinful behavior. You know, open sexual perversions that they, they, they're promoting. These individuals, these are the types of individuals that God is really, to be honest with you, salivating to get, this, get his hands on if they don't change their behavior. If they don't change their behavior, admit that they're wrong, depart from that wicked, filthy behavior, stop promoting it as wholesome and beneficial, they're going to be dealt with terribly. Now, this is, this is the truth. This is what's fully supported by the word of God. Don't believe me. Believe the word of God. And not just them, many others. Individuals as well. 
But these are the, to make a point, these are the types of individuals that God is speaking about who are going to incur this type of wrath. You don't promote a rebellion, or rebellion, excuse me, rebellion against God, especially in relation to something so filthy, corrupting, and evil and, and abominable. And when you understand the filthy fruits that the, 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 the behavior produces, which is emphasized in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 32. You know, and God refers to those individuals as haters of God. And as we've, uh, you know, uh, read earlier in uh, Psalms 21, 8 and 9, God says he's going to find out all those that hate him. He's going to make them as a fiery oven. The fire shall devour them. All right. Now, God refers to homosexuals, lesbians and bisexuals as haters of God in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 32. So we understand that those particular verses in terms of the spiritual destruction that's being emphasized when they're judged is in relation to these types of individuals and others as well. But let's continue. Let's continue to Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Again, that's Revelation 20, 11 through 15. As it states here, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the whole the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Now, what is that talking about? Now, I've heard some of the ministers of the churches of God uh, suggest that this, this, is, this particular white throne judgment is in the context of raising the people back to life and then informing them that uh, their uh, sins, uh, that Christ's sacrifice paid the penalty for their sins and then... Uh, you know, they're going to be after that, they're going to be under the rulership of Christ. But this particular verse here is saying that there was no place found for them. Now, how can it be both? How can it be a place found for them and, 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 and no place found for them at the same time? It's not gelling with Scripture. The doctrine does not gel with the Word of God. But yet you keep teaching it. But that's something you are going to have to answer for when you face God. It, all that does is create an atmosphere of rebellion because you're telling individuals that there is no consequence for evil behavior, which encourages them to continue to do more evil. That doctrine is not gelling with Scripture. It tells us here there was no place found for them. In other words, they're going to be eliminated. They're going to be done away with. They won't have a part in God's plan moving forward. This is what that means. Now let's continue. And he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. According to what? There we go again, talking about the behavior. This is what we're going to be judged by. And a verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ won't change that. And then, you know, and that's clear when you understand that that particular doctrine has been formed as a result of gross biblical misinterpretation by unlearned ministers, false unlearned ministers. That's how the false doctrine was formed. The Bible tells us over and over in Scripture, as you've seen here, as you've read here, if you've been following, that we're going to be judged by our deeds. We're going to be judged by our actions to those who are contentious and do not obey the truth, tribulation and anguish. Upon every soul of man that doeth evil, every soul, every man that doeth evil, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And here we go again, the Bible confirming it again. 
We're going to be judged out of those books, those things which were written in the books according to their works, according to their behavior, according to their actions. This is what's being emphasized. And what books is it talking about? It's talking about the Bible because the Bible is a compilation of different books. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Genesis, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Job, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Revelation, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 Corinthians, you know, so on and so forth. The Bible is a compilation of different books. We're going to be judged by those things written in those books. And if in relation to if our behavior correlated with those books or or not if your behavior was contrary to what was written in those books you're going to, it's going to be a problem if you were living in abominable ways against God it's going to be a serious problem that serious problem results in destruction spiritual destruction something that is clearly outlined by the word of God here as you've seen yourself don't believe me believe God's word don't believe me I'm not saying these things it's not I'm not saying it this is coming from God's mouth. God, Christ, the, the apostles, Paul. This is coming from their mouths. Don't believe me. Believe God's word. Now let's continue. And he says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. There we go again. Emphasizing. Now why, is that, why is God emphasizing it twice here? Christ. This is Christ emphasizing it. We're going to be judged by our behavior. And if that behavior fell in line with God's word, you're okay. You're going to be good. If that behavior was contrary to God's word, you got problems. Gnashing of teeth problems. Begging for God for mercy type problems. That's something that's clearly outlined by the word of God. If you lived in abominable ways, all right, this particular uh, these, uh, this is in relation to the final resurrection and it goes on to say in death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire alright now we have again we have three resurrections I've covered that in a previous audio the first resurrection, which is the resurrection of the righteous, they're going to be um, uh, raised back, you know, resurrected, spirit-born individuals, dwelling with Christ and God forever. You know, but they're going to be given responsibilities. They're going to have limitless, limitless power, the ability to do anything, create anything. Time travel won't be an issue. You know, they'll be able to time travel like it's nothing. They're going to be doing anything, anything. Nothing will be impossible for the spirit-born sons of God. N absolutely nothing. All right? And it's not just dwelling with God forever, you know, doing nothing. They, we're going to be given responsibilities. One of those responsibilities is going to be to bring the universe to life. That Bible, the Bible emphasizes that in, in, in Romans, where it says the whole of creation groans in anticipation of the glorious birth of the sons of God. In other words, the planet, those dead planets and, and stars and, and that empty space and all of that stuff that's dead and, and, and 
in a decaying state is groaning, waiting for the glorious birth of the sons of God to bring it to life. That's what that means. You know, to just summarize it for you. All right, now let's go over. Um, I'm going to go over Revelation 20, 11 through 15 once again. But let me just clarify about the resurrection. I think I actually was about to speak about it in a, in a uh, previous, seg previous segment of this audio. And got sidetracked because uh, I started talk talking about something else. You have to f forgive me. You know, I'm, I do that at certain times. My mind is, you know, and, and when I'm, uh, when, when I'm, at times when I'm stuttering, it's because of many thoughts are coming into my mind at once. And I'm trying to get them all out at one time. Um, you know, it's like my mind is being flooded with a lot of different stuff that I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, dis disseminate. And, uh, you know, it actually causes me to stutter and lose track in many respects. But anyway, um, I, I was speaking about the, the three resurrections. Again, the first resurrection, they're going to be resurrected to be with God forever. Delegated responsibilities. One of those will be ruling here on, on earth, uh, ruling over the human family here on earth. That, that rulership will never be given to man again. He's failed miserably. He's failing right now as I, as I speak. As I do this audio, he's failing. He's been failing since, since the advent of man, man and woman. I've heard people say women will do it better. It's not going to happen, you know. You have that same corrupt, sinful nature as man. And really, in many respects, women, women are more susceptible to deception and influence. They're really more fragile creatures, you know. And I'm not, you know, that's just the truth. They're more of a fragile creature, you know. You can really, you know, there's two things you really, things that uh, they're really susceptible to. Well, about three things that you can use to really make a woman do anything that you really want them to do. Now, I won't go into all of that, but... Uh, you know, I, I, me personally, being in relationships and dealing with women, I found that this to be the case. If you apply these three things, and I'm not going to put it out there to have some wicked, ungodly individual use it uh, for his own wicked ends, but there's about three things that you can do to make any woman do anything that you want them to do. She's not equipped to be in a leadership position like that. Uh, you know, she does not have man's uh, uh, ability. They're, you know, we're, we're gifted with different abilities. You know, woman has certain abilities uh, that that she uses that are that uh, that are beneficial. A man has delegated certain abilities that he uses uh, that are beneficial. A woman is not equipped to be in a leadership position uh, to be ruling over man. Uh, God is will frown on it and he will curse it, and you can rest assured it will end disastrously. Disastrously, you can rest assured of that. You know, uh, you know she has the same carnal, corrupt nature is man. It's not like she's uh, like some perfect being that's infallible. You know, woman is susceptible to the same uh, destructive and corrupting elements that corrupt men as well. You know, like pride, lust, greed. You know, so it's just it's the same thing. You, 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 a woman was actually created from man. You're just an extension of man, that's all. So, so God will certainly curse that. But that that particular, again, if that's the first resurrection, and then that second resurrection is the resurrection of the unrighteous. That individual is going to be brought forth with 
uh, and going to be shown a level of mercy because be based on the mercy that they've shown and how they conducted themselves in this life. They'll be allowed to live and they'll be under the rulership of Christ. And the Bible discusses stripes in certain uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, I think you can find it in, in, in the, uh, the Gospels uh, where stripes are mentioned and as opposed to being cast into the lake of fire. So these individuals, in many respects, a number of these individuals may re receive stripes or lashes, but they'll be spared condemnation to the lake of fire. And they'll be under the rulership of Jesus Christ and the saints. They'll be required to develop perfect righteous character under Christ's rulership. They'll then be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at some point, they'll be born into the spiritual family as well. The final and third resurrection is of the wicked. Like the Bible says, there's no place for these individuals. They will never, not, never, ever in life have a part in God's plan. They've proven themselves, uh, proven how they felt, felt about God in this particular life here, the way they conducted themselves, the fact that they promote behaviors that are extremely offensive to God. They thumb their noses in God's face, you know, giving God the middle finger, an open defiance of God, promoting behavior that God detests. God has an end for these individuals. They've been, they've been resurrected for one reason and one reason only, to be destroyed. And let's go over that again in uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. As it states here, uh, And I saw a great right throne, and him that sat on it, and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. So when they see God, uh, they're basically going to flee from him and fear of him. It's just going to shock him pretty much. Uh, and uh, some, you know, the angels will be, be there to, 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 to actually get things under control. But uh, initially, once, when they see God, God's awesome presence is, is going to frighten them. And, you know, these are wicked individuals anyway. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be shocking to them, you know, because, again, these are the same individuals that have been promoting God as being non-existent. And God emphasizes, again, in Deuteronomy 7.10, that he's going to repay the wicked to his face. So... You know, God wants you, the wicked man to see him. You know, in other words, God's attitude is like, okay, uh, you've been saying that I'm non-existent, that I don't exist. Now you're going to see me face to face and know that I exist. That's what he means in uh, Deuteronomy 7.10, that he will repay him to his face. God wants the wicked man to see him so he can get what he got coming. You know, that's pretty much what, what, uh, what that means. Uh, but let's go over that again. It says, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them all right there was found no place for them no place for them in other words they won't have a part in this and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were open and another book was open which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works again according to the behavior that's what's being emphasized throughout this audio throughout these verses as the bible confirms itself justifies itself supports itself and interprets itself that our behavior determines good or evil behavior whether you're good or evil if your behavior is good you're a good person if your behavior is evil you're evil simple as that you know not the fact that you uh you know you've basically formed your own opinion in terms of what's right and wrong you know like most of these groups are i'm living my own truth you know but if that truth is contrary to god's word it's a lie and that lie is going to cost you your physical and spiritual life. Make no mistake about it. Because when you're living abominably like that, it opens the doors for all other 
forms of uh, just ungodly behavior and rebellion. Individuals like that don't get better. They get progressively worse, more twisted and evil in their thoughts and actions. And that results in condemnation when you face God. But it goes on to say, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works, once again, according to their behavior. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire as well. All right. Again, three resurrections and three groups of individuals. The Bible makes that distinction. We know that a righteous man is separate from, from the unrighteous and the wicked. We understand that. But the Bible also makes a distinction between the wicked and the unrighteous. In Revelation, uh, uh, excuse me, in, in Isaiah, again, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, where it says, states, let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That, that uh, is further emphasized in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 17 through 18 and verse 18 where it states uh, and the righteous and if the righteous scarcely be saved how or where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear again the Bible often refers to as the unrighteous man as the sinner those are two groups different groups of individuals the wicked man the ungodly and the hater of God that's a totally different class of individual that individual engages in abominable evil behavior has no respect for God whatsoever give God gives has been given God the middle finger all his life for the most part that's the individual God wants to see that's the individual God's got God got has some plans for that's the individual God is going to deal with in a very horrific and painful fashion and let's continue to Revelation 21 7 through 8 as it states here he that over he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be as God again this is talking as I covered previously what's required for the those that are called out the elect of God even if you're not the elect of God in this day and age you still require to repent that is emphasized again in um, Acts alright even if you're not a part of the elect the called out group you still require to repent Acts uh, 30 uh, through 31 you still require to repent because you're going to be judged by God again there's two levels of, of repentance in regards to that when Christ told the man if he wants to, wanted to enter into life in Matthew 19, 7, he wasn't speaking in the context of this individual being born into the kingdom of God because that requires a higher level of repentance. Bearing fruit and, you know, overcoming the flesh, overcoming Satan and the world. This individual has to be bearing fruit and getting even better in the midst of persecution before he'll be born into the kingdom. But that level of repentance that's required just to be spared when you judge, that's a different level of repentance. And every man is required in this end time to follow that level or engage in that level of repentance. And that, that level of repentance requires keeping the commandments and the word of God as a whole and rejecting all abominable evil and perversion. That's a different level. It's a lower level of repentance, but it results in you being spared when you face God in the judgment. And again, showing mercy as well. Uh, mercy overcomes judgment. You know, by doing good acts. The Bible tells that in us in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And Roman, excuse me, James uh, chapter 2, uh, verses, uh, verse 13. Again, it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. The merciful shall obtain mercy. And uh, James chapter 2, verse 13, where it states that um, he who showed no mercy shall be judged without mercy, but mercy overcomes judgment. In other words, if you've been a, if you were a merciful man that God is going to take that into account when you face God in the judgment 
See, because what you have to understand about God, God is very, God has the biggest heart out in existence. No man has a bigger heart than God. That's why God doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve because he tried that with Israel and he got, you know, he was really hurt when he did that. That's why God is so reluctant now to wear his heart on his, his sleeve. That's why he tells us now in James uh, chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's either James 4.4 or 4, James 4.8. That's the requirement now. You draw near to God and God will draw near to you. At one point, God actually, uh, you know, he actually, with Israel, he actually wore his heart on his sleeve. He was really hurt. When, when Israel turned their back on him, God is very, he, he's a softy, really. You know, when you know how uh, to, to get to him, you know. But that acts of kindness pierces God right through the heart. True acts of love and mercy, that pierces God right through the heart. When God sees that, it really gets to him. And he's going to express that uh, when, he, when you face him in a judgment. If you're doing kind and merciful acts, that's going to get you over in many respects. Even if you weren't a perfect individual and you weren't living your life in complete uh, accordance with God's requirements in terms of the things that are required to be born into the kingdom or, the, you know, the, to, in, in, in complete conformity uh, to the set of rules that dictate and determine that you're, you're righteous in God's eyes. You know, even if you weren't following it perfectly, you know, even if you had your faults and faults, you know, lied, you know, well, let me, let me, uh, I won't say lie because, again, lying is one of the most more serious offenses. The Bible says even a lie will have its patent place in the lake of fire. Uh, but if you were just, uh, you know, maybe you told a little white lie periodically, uh, you weren't completely perfect in your behavior. But merciful acts, when God sees that, will result in God showing you mercy when he judges you. Again, that's further emphasized in Matthew 5, 7. And uh, James chapter 2 verse 13. And then several other uh, verses in scripture. But again let's continue with Revelation 21 7 through 8. As it states he that cometh or he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable again homosexual acts homosexual sex as considered abominable behavior by God which is emphasized in Leviticus, I'm speaking a little too fast here, Leviticus 2013 and Leviticus 18.22. Those are considered abominable acts and behaviors by Almighty God. And it goes on to say, and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All right? And let's go over that one more time. Revelation 21, 7 through 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, he's just getting, it's just getting more specific in terms of who is going into the lake of fire here. All right, the abominable, sexual perverts. Oh, that is what is considered an abomination of God. Spiritual abominations. There's a difference between physical abominations and spiritual abominations. This is talking about the spiritually abominable. Because the spiritual, spiritual abominations corrupt spiritually and produce abominable, twisted, evil behavior. That behavior, in turn, results in harsh judgment and destruction when you face God in the judgment. It goes on to say, in murderers, God hates murderers. Hates murderers. 
you know, and why wouldn't he? You know, especially, and this is in line with cold-blooded, ruthless killers, is, is pretty much what that's talking about. Whoremongers, or a major fornicator, is that what that's talking about? Can't, you know, can't keep it in your pants, going around sleeping with everything that you see, and got no self-control. And when you understand what that results in, you know, you know really whoremongers or major fornicators are really lies and, and really, uh, uh, really strong manipulators. They're going about trying to satisfy their lust. They do anything to do it, and you know, to satisfy the lust. Sorcerers, those who engage in black magic and the dark arts, and God despises that because of what how it impacts and destroys lives. Sorcery ain't no joke; it's real. You know, a person that's practicing witchcraft and sorcery against you can completely destroy your life. You know, that's why you have to be mindful of these things, and you have to avoid all those things that give the impression of uh, engaging in that type of ungodly evil behavior. You know, no fruit. God, that's what God warns us to not be involved in divination, uh, you know, seeking advice from familiar spirits, you know, tarot card readers and things of that nature, Ouija boards, avoid all that stuff. So Satan, and it can have some serious spiritual ramifications, repercussions. It goes on to say idolaters, those who worship material things, cars, money, you know, celebrity, that'll do anything to get these things, you know, and all these things are traps by Satan, the money, the, you know, seeking celebrity status, I want to be seen by everybody, I'll do anything to become a celebrity, I'll sleep with anybody, do any type of perverted sexual act, you know, that's the type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, that person with that type of attitude, you know, would get caught up in all types of abominable evil behavior. Offensive behavior that's offensive to God, and ultimately we can and will be enslaved by that behavior, and that behavior in turn produces more abominable evil behavior. You know all these things. When these things are, uh, you immerse yourself in these things, they produce even more abominable evil behavior, which is absolutely offensive to God. And it goes on to say, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay. And it gets more specific here in Revelation twenty one, seven through eight. And what's going to happen? Who is going into that lake of fire? Alright, now as you see how the Bible confirms, justifies, interprets, and supports itself, that there's a destruction coming for the wicked and the ungodly and the hater of God. That is something that is clearly outlined in God's word. These are not my words, this is the word of God. All right. Now, the fact that we, you know, we've been, you've been taught by false unlearned ministers that a simple verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ saves you from this punishment. When the Bible t clearly tells us that your actions are going to determine whether you're condemned or whether you're saved. You know, you spare that behavior correlated with God's word. You're going to be good. That behavior was in complete defiance, unholy defiance of God's word. See you. Wouldn't want to be. God is going to deal with that individual in a very terrible fashion. The ungodly, the wicked, and the hater of God is who the final resurrection will be focused on. This is the God, this is the, excuse me, this is the individual that God's focus is on. This individual, God has it in for if they, if they are unrepentant, if they don't change their behavior. 
if they don't stop practicing these perverse sexual behaviors, stop promoting these perverse sexual behaviors, if they don't put these guns down and stop shooting and killing people, stop lying, slandering others, change that behavior to fall in line with the keeping of the commandments and the word of God as a whole, you know. And as you see, if you if you if you study these uh, these um, behaviors that are deemed worthy of the second death, they're really all violations of the commandments for the most part. The abomin or the murderers, that's a violation of a commandment. Of the commandments. Whoremongers, which is a major fornication, a violation of the commandment. Lying violation of the commandment a number of them are violations of the commandments so and, and when, when Christ told the individual the young man how to uh, be you know to to enter into life was by keeping the commandments he meant that because violating those commandments can result in condemnation which is clearly outlined by God's word and I and you know, and having respect to the Bible as a whole, that's how you get past this. That's what God is requiring from every man at this present time and woman. There's a level of repentance that's, that falls in line with the keeping of the commandments and the word of God as a whole, which is the, a basic level of repentance. That's what's required to be spared when you face God in the judgment. That's what Christ meant in uh, Matthew uh, 19:17. But again, as you see, Christ emphasizing it, God emphasizing it, Paul emphasizing it, the apostles, even prophets. I just left some, left some of those verses out to, to uh, shorten the length of the audio. All of them emphasizing a destruction coming upon the wicked and ungodly. Because of their abominable evil and rebellion against Almighty God. These individuals, again, have basically walked through life giving God the middle finger. These individuals will be dealt with, dealt with when they face God in the resurrection of judgment. These are the individuals he's talking about in uh, Psalms chapter 21, verses uh, 8 through 9. And many other verses in scripture. Malachi 4.1. These are the individuals that God is talking about. That judgment day is the day of wrath. Upon the ungodly and the wicked. There's a punishment coming. A spiritual destruction. Coming for those individuals who walk through life. Giving God the middle finger. The only way to counteract that. To change that. Is to change that evil behavior. Now, if you want to continue in the path that you're going and open defiance of God, good luck. As you see, it's clearly outlined by the word of God. There's a destruction coming upon the ungodly and the wicked that is clearly outlined by the word of God. Do not believe me. Believe the word of God. Again, do not believe me. Believe God's word. My name is Donald Bohannon. Thanks for listening.